Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the fourth episode of One for One. I am your host, Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Nolan. How the heck are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, considering we have come off a nice little win last night, I'm pretty fired up about that. Um, we'll get into a lot of the other things that might make me a little bit more sad. But uh, ultimately, I'm feeling pretty positive and uh, looking forward to uh, tonight's game in about uh, an hour and two minutes. How about you? Uh, about the same. I uh, had a nice little day with Flames fan Kyle. We went to Mosaic Stadium and did the Iceville skate. Very cool. A lot of positive things to say about the experience. And then we um, ate. We, we made a penne ale vodka from the Sopranos cookbook. Set up two TVs in the basement. Watched the Flames and Oilers game. Sucked back a couple moose heads. And uh, I had a nap for a while this afternoon because I was wrecked. Um can't drink like I'm 18 anymore. That's a tough realization to make. Dude, that's why I made the switch over to light beer, because if I was drinking full-blown, like, full-pop Budweiser, I- I'm I'm dead after, like, maybe maybe eight, and yeah. I- I- I'm-, I'm out of commission all day. I wanted to get the bottles as a treat. Do you ever do that? Do you ever try and treat yourself with, like, a fancy beer, like, fancy-to-you beer? Um, I... <sighs> I would say so sometimes, like sometimes I'll fuck around with like a Stella or something like that. Um, but like typically I kind of just do like, I kind of drink what I know best because if I get into something where maybe I don't like it, especially when it comes to like craft beers and like IPAs and stuff like that, that's when I get a little bit like, I'll take a sip and I'm like, nah, this isn't for me. Like, this is just a little too gross. Bud Light is the king, like unparalleled the the king. king. Yes. Yeah. If, yeah, if you, if you, if you don't like Bud Light, you're not a fan of this podcast. (laughs) I think we just, I think we got to be careful with that. We can't ax out (laughs) too many of our, of our following here. Oh no. They're like, oh, well, I don't like Bud Light. I guess this isn't for me. I'm going to turn it off now. Have a good day. Well, uh, on a quick little side note before we begin, I just wanted to let you know what I what I just ate. I just ate two bologna sandwiches, and uh, they hit the spot. Man, but- can I, dude? I went to a <laughs> I went to a grad party one time in a small town in Saskatchewan, and you know how they have like um, they'll bring food out like a midnight lunch. Uh, dead ass, they brought out bologna butter and mustard sandwiches, <laughs> just like a fucking Rubbermaid tub of Saran wrap bologna sandwiches. And they're like, Get, "Here you go, guys, have this." And you're like, pretty drunk, and you're like, "Oh, good enough." And you, you eat it; it's the best thing you ever had. But you look back on it, and you're like, "How? Like what?" <laughs> like, Dude, we had insane. a. Uh, my mom had a grad party for me in, well, obviously in uh, grade twelve, but. Uh, during the day we had uh, pulled pork sandwiches and then at night when everybody came over and we were all just like blasted drunk she brought out the pulled pork at like probably 12 30 at night and i remember so many people coming out to me being like nolan your mom's fucking clutch she's unreal she brought up pulled pork sandwiches this hit the spot man dude that's that's unbelievable could you imagine just being gifted that you're, you're low-key drunk and you get somebody gives you a pulled pork sandwich like what did i do to deserve this delicious treat nothing i don't deserve this i'm garbage i'm tony <laughs> d'angelo trash and you're giving me a nice sandwich thank you pat that's uh that that's what we're going to call a uh, foreshadowing for the uh, future of this episode but... three tony d'angelo's in a row 
He lives rent free in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, should we get into the uh, topics at hand from this I last would week? Go ahead, Nolan. Start us off. Do what well, you do. Well, uh, four big games over the last week. And to be completely honest, um, yesterday morning I wasn't feeling too good about everything. But last night got me a little bit of a, a little bit excited. I don't know how excited I should be because I think uh, I, I, I don't want to be the optimistic ostrich again. But uh, the four game uh, the four game series took over uh, last week, and it started off in Winnipeg, in which I've titled both Game One and Game Two of the Winnipeg series uh, W Inning Peg, so Winning Peg, uh, and then the other one was L for Loser Peg because we got hit by Loser Peg. Um, to be completely honest, both of these games were were really 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 tough. The first game against Winnipeg was a 4-3 Edmonton win, which looked pretty good for the most part. Um, it feels like it's so long ago, but I'm starting to feel, I'm starting to remember every little bit of it. Um, but I did make a lot of notes, kind of going back after that game. And the most important part was the momentum shift that sort of took off after the two nothing challenge goal was waved off because um, it. Initially, Winnipeg got off to a one nothing lead, and then they scored that 2 nothing goal, and then uh, um, there was a challenge for offside, which we can... I mean, there's a whole argument you can get into. Was that the, was that the offside, offside or was that Wack and Koski? I thought that was Wack and Oh, above. shit, yeah, 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 sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, anyways, yeah, my bad. But yes, that was the goaltender interference, which then it went back to being a one nothing game and the guys, uh, the guys fought back, and they went up, they went up by one. And then Winnipeg came back um, after they were up 3-1 and made it 3-2. And and luckily, they were able to fight back in the third period, and they were able to tie it up at 3-3. Three, uh, at three, three. And then, obviously, as most people remember from that game, if they did watch it, of course, um, the with less than a minute left, uh, Leon Dreisaitl scored the... Sorry, I shouldn't even say a minute left. Why did I write a minute? With less than a second left, Leon won the game 4-3, uh, off of uh, a, in, was it was it McDavid that had the pass to Drysaddle? Because I, I know that because I know that the most important part of that was was Yesse in front of the net and Puliyarvi had it was, an awesome game. It was ninety seven to twenty nine for the goal for sure. It was obviously it was obviously. yeah. <laughs> aren't, aren't, aren't they all? But yeah, you're being very nonchalant about what happened at the end of that game. There, like uh, like you said, they kind of pissed off there and, and dropped, blew a lead, and then just clawed back, just really gutty. Like, last five minutes of the game was absolutely awesome hockey from the Oilers. Um, and then that last goal, uh, the pass, like, kind of off the wall, back to dry, clap, and just like you said, yes, say in front of the net. Uh, I actually thought it was him that scored. I thought he got a tip so in I. or something or, like, off a pad and a quick whack in. So I was jacked because I'm like – Used to pull the RV first goal. And I'm like walking around swagging, and then you see that it's a dry settle that scored. You're like, oh, that's fine. I don't care. That's good enough. That's good too. The Deutschland dangler. The Deutschland dangler. Leon, as some say. Leon. Um, but yeah, man, it, you are absolutely right. Uh, Puyarvi just honestly had a had a great game. It was the first game with him actually on the first line, and him playing with Connor and Nuge, he he he, he looked great. He doesn't really need to do a whole lot with regards to. Uh, driving the offense on the line he doesn't have to he doesn't have to have those zone entries or anything like that all he has to do is just 
make those quick, smart passes and just get in front of the net and really more than anything, just be that big body. I like that he's added this element to his game this season. It seemed like beforehand he was more of a perimeter player and he wanted to be that sort of slick goal scoring sniper. It it was almost like they expected him to sort of be like a Yari Curry sort of player, but that's just not what he's meant for. And he's meant for sticking his ass in front of the net. The guy's like six, four might even be six, five and he needs to just get in there just to score those goals. So, uh, I was, I was pretty happy about it. Um, and yeah, he was, he was, he, he was crucial that Leon goal, but, um, there was a lot of positive energy coming out of that game. So, uh, I was very, very, very happy about that. Did you have any last thoughts on uh, the four, three Winnipeg win? Um, just quick, like you saying, yes, doesn't have to drive the offense. Very true. But I think what he does really nicely on that first line with Nuge and Connor McDavid is maintain offense, if that makes sense. So yeah, when, when, when pucks get low in the corner, like he's very good at fighting off guys and getting it back to the D or, uh, just like not letting a play die, keeping the puck cycle. Um, so I've really liked to see him on that line. And just like you said, I think you have it in a note, um, put him on line one and leave him there. That's yeah. like, that is what the guys need to do to get shit figured out here. So um, last thing I want to say, six, four is what he's listed at six, six when he's texting girls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, do you, uh, do you want me to take on loser peg or do you want to take on loser peg? You go. Oh no! I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be here. Well, we have about five points here, and I started writing this mid-game, and I was not too happy. Um, it, and all the positive energy that came out of that first Winnipeg game, it seemed like completely died the morning of this game because it started off by Dave Tippett scratching Devon Shore for Jujar Kara. So strike one, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Then, uh, and, uh, and then he also put in Patrick Russell as well, which, um, I mean, it's going to be strike three by the end or, I mean, by the time it hit like 10 AM that morning. So, uh, he decides that he's going to play Jones and uh, the guy he's going to scratch is going to be uh, Slater Cuckoo, which Slater is a king. Leave yeah. him there. And I actually, I actually wrote in the notes here uh, in parentheses, insert the Nick Young meme with the, yeah. with the question marks. <laughs> so they were, they were dude, they were doomed from the get go, but tips, tips, obviously not listening to the pod. He needs to know the, the Slater Cuckoo stand pod. That is one for one. This is where he needs to get his pregame info. Well, I guess not pregame. His wrap up be like re- very reflective. Like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Hey, he's gonna go into the locker room and he's gonna be like, so uh, <laughs> I was just listening to the uh, one for one podcast, and um, well, they uh, suggested that maybe I should put uh, Slayer Cuckoo on uh, first line left wing with uh, Connor, and so I figured uh, get his ass in front of the net and uh, score those goals. So. Um, Dude, you're yeah, Dave. You're we're Dave. Do that tonight. You sound. Your Dave Tippett sounds eerily like bubbles. He's just gonna <laughs> start scratching kitties' bellies and stuff in a, in a post game. <laughs> it's it's so hard to do a voice that deep, like that deep, but also that full of like molasses or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking molasses. I, I'm about to get on some major Dave Tippett slander, so it's yeah, nice that we're getting off to a positive start. So they, they, they did gain a nice little 3-1 lead uh, in the game, and then 
they held then Winnipeg scored that second goal and they held the three two lead until the third period, the vaunted third period. With 16.43 left in the third, Paul Stasny made Chris Russell look like Dak Prescott in week five against the Giants. The cart should have been wheeled out, man. His ankles were destroyed. Barry lost Ehlers behind him. Tie game. Tie freaking game. And at that point, I'm I'm starting to boil. I'm I'm start like the the steam is coming out of my ears. And two minutes later, the Jets made it 4-3. And less than two minutes after that, the Jets made it 5-3. It was one of those collapses that was eerily similar to the like eight, uh, the 18-19 season, like the last season of Shirelli, and then the uh, then the introduction of 10-Inchcock, so, <laughs> <laughs> as we used to call him. But it was, it, it, it was a horrifying sight to watch. And the worst part was about this game is that one line dominated the entire time. It was the cop Stasny Ehlers line. It's not even, it's not even Blake Wheeler. Like that, that's the worst part. And it's like, they're without Patrick Line, which because at this point he's already gone. So they're without Patrick Line. They don't have Pierre-Luc Dubois. One freaking line dominated the entire time. They combined for 10 points. 10 points from one line. And then the cherry on top of this was in the third period, closing out the game, uh, they take Koskinen off the ice, make it a six, make it a, I think they had a power play. Did they not have a power play? I think or so. Or was it a, yeah. And so it was a six on four. And McDavid did something very similar to what uh, to what Paul Stass needed to Chris Russell earlier, but he did it to Mark <laughs> Shifley, and absolutely sniped one on Con- on uh, Connor Hellebuck. So yeah, that was a b- yeah. absolute beautiful oh, goal. I was fired up. He had, he had that's- two absolute highlight burners this week. Oh, I can't. We are not worthy. Totally. But we're yeah, we are not worthy. No, I cannot believe he cro- I cannot believe he's an oiler. He crossed him up like Kyrie. And then absolutely shelved it or whatever he did. He sh- he sh- he shot it like Steph. Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah. Even though Kyrie's a great shooter, he like he shot it like Steph. Like it's automatic. Yeah. And so, but the worst part about that was is that Connor scores this five four goal, and then Tip d- A doesn't call a timeout, which is absolutely like, brutal shit how do you do that how do you do that because there was like a minute left in the game and all you need to do is call a timeout get your best players rested get them fired up ready to go drop a play and say all right guys like this is how we're going to enter the zone this is how we're going to set it up and we're going to score well especially especially with the game before that the oilers getting the last second goal on them like winnipeg at that point's got to be thinking like oh fuck not again like they've got to be scrambling so you call a timeout there, get rid of the element of surprise, right? I think that that's probably what he was trying to do was just keep momentum and have them kind of running around in their brains, but call the timeout, let them think about it a little bit more, collapse inside of themselves a little bit further. Like you said, rest up and like bang one in, tie it up, going to overtime. But no no call from Young Tip. Strike three. You're out of yeah. here. Yeah, I I have I have no idea what he was doing, and it, it and not only that, but if you want to ruin momentum, you throw out the Kyle Turris line on the ice, <laughs> <laughs> which that is what he did. He he needs to score a goal, and for some reason, he throws out the uh, James Neal, Kyle Turris, and <laughs> Zach Cassian line. Uh, 
uh my girlfriend taylor is here in case anyone wants to know you mean you mean the uh the pickapalooza fifth place she's in fifth place just so everybody knows uh, higher higher than the co-host she yeah she's she's higher than me which is you gotta give a little you gotta give some respect i do there. have to give taylor a little bit of respect it. she can't hear you right now so i'm just i'm just gonna just completely uh i'm just i'm just gonna tell her something completely different what <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, back, back to the game. We only have so much time, and so... We got a T... Or it took four episodes to get a TT Gib... Uh, to get a TT Gibbons bow here. <laughs> she's fired up. She's now our... She's now the first guest on the podcast. Welcome, <laughs> Official! Welcome, welcome aboard, TT Gib. She just shook her head at me. I deserve to be an official member. You're not being an official member. <laughs> so, anyways, throws the Kyle Torres line on the ice. They completely whiff on generating anything. He finally gets Connor back out there, and it's just, it's too late. 6-4, Winnipeg win on the empty net, and there's really not much else to say about it. It was a it was a brutal collapse in the third period, and I have no words for it. Speaking of a brutal collapse, let's talk about the loss to Toronto and what happened to my mental health and my Twitter outrage. Oh. Oh. <laughs> a symphony of owls. Uh, are you going to take this one? No, fuck. I don't want to talk about that. God damn it. I have to do, do it again. It. No, I'll, no, I'll do it. no, I'll do it. I'll start by prefacing that about once every year, or a couple times a season, I'll have a complete meltdown of Oilers fandom where I question everything and I start looking at plane tickets and jerseys and like their Twitter life and their Reddit for other teams because I'm fucking done. And that was the 4-3 game to Toronto, uh, the, the first game in this uh, another series. I had an absolute meltdown. That effort was fucking piss poor. Uh, there was a point in the first period where there was a delayed penalty called on the Oilers, and I think the Leafs cycled the puck for three minutes in the Oilers' zone, untouched. The ref definitely, you know, when you, your leg falls asleep, the ref had his hand up in the air so long that he was probably <laughs> like, oh my god, he needs supplemental support to keep it sustained because they were just toying with them. It was terrible to see. Um, Nolan, you have here, I'll let, I'll let you say it. What was it like? What was the keep away like? The Leafs played keep away with the Oilers on the delayed penalty. Like the Oilers were an overzealous nine-year-old brother trying to grab the 360 controller to rip a round of juggernaut on Halo 3. Like it was, it was brutal, man. Like they, they could not, they could not get the puck back. And it like the Leafs were making them look silly. They were, that's the best way to describe it. They, they literally had them running into each other. The Oilers were knocking each other over like fucking bumper cars. I've never seen teammates bump into each other more than the Oilers. I, 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 that's one of the things that blows my mind about this season is how many times i've seen guys bump into each other like no hit the other guys don't hit your own teammates like what what the hell so nolan i'll let you do the uh the, your, your things about the d-men here but i just want to share one thing to kind of put into perspective of the meltdown that i was having um i i made a tweet i made a poll actually uh where should i take my fan talents when the oilers pushed me off the edge this is a serious question got 28 votes i think that's a fair sample size i had rangers bruins vegas and stick it out you poser as the options rangers got 29 percent uh bruins got seven vegas got 25 and stick it out you poser got 39 so stick it out you poser one but oh my god i was, dude, i was gonna buy a panarin jersey it was over yeah except you know you know who you would have been cheering for if you would have become a rangers fan Tony D'Angelo. Tony D. 
the, se- That's a jersey. the I, second I, reference I to Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> but uh, no, Miles actually texted me uh, mid-game and said, I don't know how I can do the podcast anymore because I, I just can't deal with this anymore. And I, I said to him, like, Miles, we, we have to just continue doing it. And I'm losing my mind the entire time. Like, And the third period, like... Th- the third period of this game was a straight up heart attack. Like I, I, I remember when Zach Cassian scored that three three goal, and I was fired up. And I'm like, oh my god, I I cannot believe it because a we got five on five goal scoring from the third line, which is the fucking shooting stars coming by. I, I don't know what to say, but like, <laughs> so I, I was completely shocked. And the entire time that I was thinking that is like they're still going to lose this game in regulation. I thought it the entire time. I felt it. Like, I, I, so something was telling me that, that, that they were going to lose. And I feel bad about this point that I wrote because you have to also, rem- have to also remember I was writing this mid-game, so I was very upset. And I'm probably going to come back a little bit on this, but at the time I did say I'm done with Tyson Berry. Yeah, this, that's, this shit you have here is egregious. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was really mad, okay? And so I when the so the the Leafs made it one nothing right away and then they made it two nothing and it just looked like nothing was happening for the Oilers and it unfortunately took a 5 on 3 power play goal to make it 2-1 and it was just the complete lack of results from the power play from a power play that was first in the league last year and not only first but they were historic like like y- you could you could uh, you could transcribe that onto like a piece of cement or uh, onto a piece of rock in like an ancient tomb, and that's that. That was the Oilers' power play last year, but this year it's now they finally got their percentage up to league average, which thank Christ. But it took them this long to now finally have something that resembles something decent. But my my issue came mainly from Tyson Berry, and it's Tyson Berry continuously. Like, I I can appreciate what he does and what he offers as, like, a teammate. He seems like he's really well-liked, and I really appreciate that about him. And off of last night's game, we're going to get into some of the positives we saw with his puck movement and with him kind of jumping up in the rush and him actually showing why he's a really good offensive defenseman. But that first, that like, that first Toronto game... Uh, this week was was brutal he was just continuously being outworked and it it would seem like bad play after bad play after bad play and it was it was like he didn't know what to do on the power play I actually listened to a podcast earlier where they they mentioned that it almost seems like Barry had the yips a little bit like he was a little bit um and I don't know if you want to touch on this at all but it was almost like it, like it's almost like Barry is like afraid of what to do, and he's like afraid of what to do on the power play because it's like, oh, you have Leon on this side, you have uh, McDavid on this side, and like I don't know who to pass to, and it's like there probably is a certain sense of like kind of getting on yourself or getting in your own head, thinking, man, like I, I, I can't screw this up. I have to, I have to, I have to make this thing good. I have to keep this thing going. So. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on that so far? Well, like you said, with how good their power play was last year, how successful they were, that totally makes sense. It's like last year they were at a historic clip. You add another guy that should bolster it even more, and you're not 
you know, you're slow out of the gate on the power play. Um, you're definitely getting uh, in your own head a little bit. You're afraid to screw up. You're not, you know, making the right read or you're taking too long, like waiting for shooting lanes to close because you can't decide, do I go to Connor? Do I go to Leon? Do I drop it low? Like I can see why Barry is like in his own head a little bit about it. Um, I personally think that that's just going to get better with time. And I hope so. And, and I think as, as they bond more, like you'll, you'll start to see it a little exactly. bit. Exactly. And I think Nolan, as your friend, speaking as your friend here, not as a podcast co-host, uh, I think your hatred for Barry in that game was more so not about Barry. Like he had a shitty game, whatever it is, what it is, everybody does, but it's more about, and we've talked about this two weeks in a row now, Evan Bouchard still not getting in the lineup. Oh my God. Cause you're continuously seeing guys fuck around and play like shit on the, on the defensive side of the, for the Oilers. And Bush is just eating popcorn up in the press box, not getting a shot. And that's what really grinds my gears, Peter Griffin. Yeah, and I, I, apparently too, there is this whole thing about apparently he had a back issue. So I can, if it if it has been a thing where if he hasn't been playing for you know a week now because he has this back issue, fine, I I can get behind that because obviously you don't want like you don't want to hurt the guy even more. But yeah, like I have no idea why Evan Bouchard is not playing at this point. You have to put him in. Like he's getting into his it's we're we're now approaching the third year after he's been drafted like he has to get in the lineup he is a pro ready player he if, if he wasn't playing in the nhl he'd be playing in the a and he'd be putting up incredible numbers and you have to get him going because if you continuously let him sit and you just let him rot and on a side note don't get me wrong i am happy that the oilers now have a regime where they're not going to rush players in because if this was peter shirelli we all know that he would have been playing uh 25 minutes a game last year and he would have probably been like a a dash 40 and had like two points and then he just looks like shit the entire time but no, the, that game experience is absolutely crucial for where he's at like yeah he said, but you I, need to get him in exactly and if he's not going to be in the nhl he should be in the ahl ripping it up good for his development because fucking practice isn't gonna do anything extraordinary for his development like you said he's rotten yeah well i mean at the end of the day, they um, they tried to they tried to make it four four to push it into overtime, but nothing happened. So oh, fuck, we're still not done with this shit. No, we'll have to move on. <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta we gotta gallop through this whole thing. So uh, let's move on to last night's game, which I have titled Toronto Overtime Winner, oh. which was the 4-3 Edmonton overtime win over the Toronto Maple Leafs in the second of the uh, Toronto Edmonton series, duh, as I call it. Lo- Loafs 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I, well, actually, it'd be Loafs 4 Electric Bogolo. Oh, fudge. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so this was the first game with the uh, I, I i'm calling them the glorious reverse retros those jerseys are mint man they like look those, hot with the they orange are pants. nice jerseys I, I, I like i vote to have those things as the permanent aways i think those are incredible jerseys i don't and know if, if i'd go permanent aways because i think the whites are very very crispy but the fact that they're only wearing those reverse retros four times this year is a disservice they're very very nice they're very nice it, dude it, i like, want I went and bought one yesterday. I was, I saw it. I was at Extreme Hockey getting my skates sharpened, and I saw one sitting there, a dry sidle, and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna have Dude, to. Dude, the or- the orange mitts look so good. Oh like, yeah, those look unreal. And the pants, Connor, like they're. I think it's just a shell. 
because um, Connor McDavid had a little bit of black sticking out from the back of his pants where his jersey was tucked in. And I don't know what it was, but just the contrast of colors, it looked so good. He, oh. Oh, he looked so good. He's such a he's such a pretty young man. Uh, PYT Connor McDavid. <laughs> the the Toronto Reverse Retros. I wrote, I was thinking like the entire time they look like those garbage knockoff Walmart jerseys that you'd wear to the ODR to just look like a hockey guy. Unlicensed like, those NHL are so merchandise. Bad. Yeah, those are those, shit. Those okay. are su- those are such bad jerseys. I don't think a lot of these original six teams, excluding the Blackhawks, need a reverse retro because their jerseys are just like clean and basic already. Yeah, like the Leafs do have nice jerseys. Like they I do. actually, they're, really, they're really, I really nice. Lo- I really like their home and their ways. So yeah. Montreal and, and, as well. Montreal's yeah, got really man. nice. They don't I, need I, a I don't, blue. Yeah, the the. The Montreal jersey's rough. I I, I I I completely agree with you. I don't understand the uh, like like the whole point of uh, uh, of the original six teams changing up their jerseys. Maybe you want to do like the Bruins with like that the like meth that, bear. Yeah, 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 that one. But but the, um, the black the Blackhawks uh, reverse retro is really nice. I'll give yeah, them that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it is. Um, but last night was pretty good. The they came out in the first period with a lot of fire, man. Uh, 3.30 into the first period, we finally saw the Colorado Tyson Berry that we've been hyping up this entire time. Well, I shouldn't say we because I haven't been hyping it Yeah, you just shit much. on him for four minutes. I, <laughs> but it was, it was like, it was just one of those plays that makes you get up out of your seat. And it was this like crisp tape-to-tape pass through two Leaf defenders to Tyler Ennis, which led to a penalty shot because uh, I believe his name is Miko Lettinen on the... Uh, on the Leafs ended up covering up the puck and trying to basically pull it out because it looked like it was going in. Like it bounced off Frederick Anderson and it looked like it was going in, but uh, turned into a penalty shot uh, in which Tyler Ennis missed the net. And I kind of had a little bit of a rant last night to Taylor. I said that I don't care if the shot gets stopped by the goaltender. Don't miss the net. Don't miss the net. I, I, I that's my biggest pet peeve. I hate, I hate when players miss the net. It just, it drives me up the wall. Like, fine. You want to have a complete muffin of a shot that just gets bounced off a guy's glove? Like, fine. But at least hit at least hit the net. And yeah. I, I was immediately like, oh my God, we're cursed. And I was just, I was doing like, I had like that, um, the uh, uh, Michael Scott face when he's like talking to Toby and he's just like this the entire time. <laughs> no! No! Please, God, no! (laughs) But uh, luckily, though, that momentum turned into the first goal, and it was the first goal for Dominic Cahoon, which uh, I was was fired up by. Uh, Leon Dreisel carries it up into the Toronto zone. And, man, he just has so much power to him, but, like, he makes it look so beautiful and graceful. Like, there's something about the way that, like, Leon just carries that puck. It just, it's, it gives you hope that they're going to (laughs) score. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's just it's just fantasies right um but yeah sent it over to Cahoon who followed up his own rebound and it, I was I was just so happy for the guy because he finally got the monkey off his chest so I'm hoping that he can really turn that into something a little bit more monkey monkey uh, off his chest like not not his back his chest it's like oh the, fuck is it's it like the, the, it's the monkey off the back no 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 it's like the baby in the hangover on Allen, like that's the that's how Cahoon was fucking walking around with no goals and playing with Leon. Guys are getting guys are getting put on waivers, uh, and Dominic Cahoon is virtue signaling staying on the Oilers because he's Dry's buddy. So that monkey 
is not on his back. It's prominently on his chest. He's yeah, okay. strutting around with it. I like it. I like where you're going. That's you. Okay. You're right. You're onto something. Okay, thank you. I I appreciate that. That that kind of cleans that up for me. But, but uh, <laughs> man, it it was awesome to see Cahoon score there, and then Arch Archibald followed it up because I I wouldn't I wouldn't call an amazing pass from McDavid. I wouldn't call it depth scoring. But any time that players that aren't Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid score the first couple of goals for the Oilers, because you know they're gonna get theirs. You know they're yeah. gonna you know they're gonna eat right. So. I, I was watching with Flames fan Kyle, and he's like, oh, two depth goals for the Oilers. It's over for you, Toronto. And I wasn't ready to, you know, pack it in just yet and say that it was over. But any time that the Oilers get some supplementary scoring from not Connor, not Leon, is just chef's kiss. Delicious. We're just going to ignore James Neal turning uh, turning the puck over to John Tavares, leading to an Elander goal, which was tough uh, because Tyson Berry also looked poor in that uh, in that uh, transition there. Uh, instead, we're going Ig- to move on. Ignore it? No, no, no. Ignore it, but you have to respect it too. You have to give Toronto the credit that their players deserve. Like Tavares is a top 10, 15 player in the NHL. He's going to do. I'd shit say. Like that. I'd say center. Not. I wouldn't say player. Okay. Because you're getting into some pretty damn good wingers and some pretty damn good defensemen. For sure, but Tavares is still a pretty damn good hockey player. I think is the he is he is very good. Yes. With with Matthews, Tavares, Marner, you've got good guys on that team. They're gonna make some plays. They're gonna make some guys look silly, and it just happened to be yeah. Like still, Austin Matthews just puts fear in my eyes. He still doesn't put like I'm still not as afraid of him as I am with Nathan McKinnon. When I see Nathan McKinnon have the puck on his stick, I'm genuinely terrified. Like I'm. I'm 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 bugging out like I'm oh, yeah, I feel sure. like I'm greening out because I'm like oh god <laughs> this guy's gonna score. <laughs> so, but uh, I I wrote in here the point um, which <laughs> we're trying to fly through this but we need to we need to talk about the goal we need to we need to talk about that because holy shit <laughs> that that Connor McDavid power play goal which. I love that Tyson Berry got an assist on it because it just it, it just kills me because it's just like here you go Connor all right see ya take it and go take it and yeah go. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the other four Oilers on the ice just became the Berlin Wall and McDavid just crashes through it and just weaves his way around the tor- uh, around the Toronto defense and compl- I. Oh my god, he completely undressed Jake Muzzin. I, I and that's like that's a really good player. That's a really good defenseman. <laughs> and he just he just made him look like a fool. And I, I don't know which one I like between the like last year's Toronto goal or this one cuz oh, the one about Toronto 20 versus Toronto 21. These are this is the, the important discussion we need to have. I like where you're going. Yeah, because there's something there is almost like a like a like an ankle breaker quality about the 20 goal where he, like he just it was just a it was just a one-on-one and he made riley look like a complete sieve yeah that change of direction was just and he was yeah out. whereas this one is more of um this it, it's kind of like um i kind of compare it to i remember when i was younger and i would look at those like uh, top 10 greatest goals of all time. And there was uh, typically number one was always the Alex Ovechkin on his back. And he like sort yeah, of like yeah. pushed against, it into the net against Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. But my favorite, which I, which was usually at like number two was the Rick Nash goal 
which I think was might have also been against Phoenix, where he weaves his way in around like around through the D and j- just completely undresses everybody. And uh, I, I, I it's it's sort of a, it's sort of a similar argument. Like, which one do you like more? But I would say that I probably still like the Riley one more just because he it was it was turning something out of it was turning something into or sorry it was bringing something from nothing into something like he 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 turned it into something from nothing it was i i i i could not believe it when i saw it. and but yeah last night i i said holy shit at the top of my lungs and taylor and taylor kind of uh she watched too and she was even like that was insane like i that cannot was- believe that it was very reminiscent of the resurrection goal when he scored when he split the D on Columbus when he oh. came back from the broken collarbone. Also watched that one live. That was a good yeah, one. but that's kind of what it, those were kind of the vibes I got from it. It was very it reminded me of that goal, but nicer because of the way he finished off Freddie, and just popped it. Yeah, it was everything about it was beautiful. Oh, it was awesome. Um, the Oilers eventually surrendered the lead, though, that they built from that McDavid goal, which was uh-huh. a 3-1 lead. Classic. Yeah, we're, this is the only thing that's sort of, well, I shouldn't say this is the only thing that's on my mind, but this, this is the big thing that's been on my mind about the team is that they've surrendered leads and it's getting a little bit frustrating, but luckily the Leon and McDavid heroics were able to save it in overtime. Uh, but there was a pretty big loss of Ethan Bear which I'm concerned about. They just said head injury. I'm thinking it's probably a concussion if we're being betting men, but it was, it, it's a tough loss, but ultimately we um, hope Ethan Bear gets better and we wish him the best going forward, but and this might draw Boosh into the lineup. I hope so. Um, I was hearing, or I was, uh, I was listening to a pregame podcast, which I think was a Oilers Nation one, and they mentioned no free ads. Yeah, no free ads, and they mentioned that it could be Chris Russell and William Loggison in the lineup tonight. What if God was one of us? Do 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 do. <laughs> um. So. I wrote on here, are we getting the arrival of Evan tonight? And I was like, no, probably not. Uh, but, uh, like, all in all, I just kind of have some some notes I've, I've, I, w- I wanted to sort of touch upon before we get to the other stuff. And then we're going to try and do a bit of a mailbag before we close out today's episode. So, uh, the overall notes, though, I wanted, to, I, I wanted to give a quick shout out to, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Darnell Nurse and Ethan Bear. Because they've been really good. I've, what, the, what do you mean you can't believe you're saying this? You've been sending me Snapchats for six days in a row of their metrics and their scores and whatnot. Yeah, like exactly. Th- and this like, is why I wrote I can't, it. I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I, yeah, Where did but this I, come from? I, I, <laughs> we haven't had an episode since, <laughs> since before I was sending that. But uh, they've, made, they've made immense strides this year. Um, I was a bit concerned with the first game from Ethan Bear, but he doesn't look like he's having any sort of sophomore slump. Um, and Nurse since, lo- the, since the scratching, the great scratching. Oh yeah, Bear, exactly. And it looks like it lo- honestly looks like Nurse is starting to really take that step, and he's. I wouldn't say he's becoming a number one defenseman because there's only, there's so few of those guys in the league, but what he's doing in the absence of Oscar Clefbaum, I think has been really good, but 
despite his odd bonehead play, and then Bear still gets out muscled at times. Um, they've routinely been cleaning up each other's mistakes. Like there, there was a play last night. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you the specifics of it, but I, I, I watched it, and there was kind of a situation where, where Bear got beat by his man, and then Darnell knew where to cover up. And that was really awesome to see, like, because he immediately cleaned up his mistake. And I've watched the two of them kind of work back and forth like that, and it's been really great to see. It looks like they're really making some progress, so I'm feeling pretty good about them. And Nurse's ability to jump up in the play and move the, like, move the puck into the slot is something I'm, I'm very happy to see because he's had that before, but it's usually turned into an odd man rush going the other way. So the fact that he's actually generating some offense out of it is is really good um the one thing i did want to note though is that the pairing is leading the league for expected goals for so that's um so yeah shout out to those guys but you'll um, love to see it uh i have really liked the i have really liked the fourth line the ennis shore and archibald line um i really liked that last night they were they were quick and they were tenacious i i really liked it did you have anything yeah and they just put they just put shore on taxi yeah they're uh they're they're playing gaetan haas tonight so i'm excited about that but ultimately happy birthday happy birthday gaetan haas here's your game have fun don't blow it (laughs) um but at the end of the day, the team needs to string together some some victories, and I think a, a big emotional victory like the Toronto one last night should be that one. We hope so, of course. So I'm I'm excited, to, but you 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 can't come into a team like Ottawa where I believe they've lost seven games straight and lay an absolute blumpkin. So <laughs> <laughs> so I like the. the t- all the words in the English language, and you pick Blumpkin. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, Nolan. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but the team's two games below five hundred, and I, I wrote this in here. But like, the time for fucking around is over. Like, this has to be it. Like, th- th- these this... are you've had some tough stints. Like, couple four games against the Leafs. You had the Habs, who are looking really good this year. They've started the season off in the North Division against some of the, probably the toughest back-to-back talent. They haven't gotten the Flames yet. But um, exactly, you cannot lay a steamer against Ottawa. These are two wins that you have to get. Two yeah. absolute have-to-win games. Um, yeah, exactly. You you nailed it right on the head. So I'm won't, I won't rag on them too much for that. Um, we're going to kind of move on here. We're going to... I would like to get to the mailbag and answer a few mailbag questions. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the first thing I wanted to just quickly say is shout out to Dylan Holloway. He had six points in two games this weekend with, with the Wisconsin Badgers, bringing his season production to 16 points in 10 games. So unbelievable. Good job, Dylan. Um, I've, there was a, there was a goal they kind of showed. I actually sent it to miles and it, he's quick and he's got some good hands on him. I, I, I really like him. I mentioned him in the first episode. I, I, I really think he's going to be McDavid's line mate in, in the long run, and he's going to be a damn good one at that. So very excited about him. But that should be it for Oilers this uh, this week. I, I wanted to get into to just touch upon a couple of other things. There wasn't really much going on in the NHL. Um, with I, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to uh, Minnesota prospect Marco Rossi, who 
has to return to Austria to recover from his complications from COVID-19. Uh, he's 19 years old and he's an insane player. And it's really tough to see. And I really hope that this isn't going to be something where he has long-term effects from this. So just wanted to just give a big shout out to Marco Rossi. So um, yeah, it's, it sucks to see. Um, we're in, I, I wrote in here that we could talk about the Dubois line ideal, but I, I don't really think we really need to. I mean, whatever. Like, we'll maybe Every, talk about it next episode. Everybody and their dogs are with the hockey outlets yeah, already kind of talked about it. Everything's been said. Yeah. Um, uh, only thing I want to say, I posted it on our Instagram story, but it was Liney getting off the plane, the PJ in Columbus. He's wearing a Givenchy sweater, and he chucks up the horns. He takes two steps off of the PJ. <laughs> $800 hoodie and tosses up the horns. That's rock star shit. Have fun in Columbus. You're going to kill it. People are, he's going to make everyone want to play in Columbus now. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. I was going to riff on the Matthew Stafford thing, but we're running out of time, so I'm not going to do that because I, I really want to talk about it, but... There's a couple of things that we just need to get to. First off, shout out to everybody who's taking part in the Pickapalooza. Very happy to see this. It, we're getting a lot of uh, we're getting a, we're getting a lot of engagement from people, and people seem to be really excited about it. So we just want to give a quick shout out to all those people. Um, yeah, thank you for thank you for taking part, and uh, may the best person win. And also, I can see who you're voting for. So everybody who claims to be an Oilers fan and doesn't vote for the Oilers can suck it. You know who you are. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, as much as I would love to spend an hour on this, Tony D'Angelo is on waivers, everybody. Let's, let's give a – let's go. You love, now he has ha- to watch his tone. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't happen to a better guy. Oh, I just I, – I love it. And it's just – it's – I love – as they say on the A team, I love when a plan comes together and it's just, it's lovely to see. Um, there is a article on the athletic that I don't want to get into too much because I, I don't like the idea of like kind of explaining something that's behind a paywall. Uh, but Rick Carpinello, who's a, a Rangers beat reporter for the athletic, uh, mentioned that apparently this was an issue. This was an altercation with Alexander Georgiev where basically, uh, Georgiev got beat on the five, four overtime winner against the penguins last night. And apparently D'Angelo like chewed him out or something like that uh, at the end of the game. And then I read this. I, I don't. I don't know if this is actually in the article, but it was somebody else had mentioned it. But it looks like, apparently Chris Kreider might have actually decked Tony D'Angelo in the face, which rules. Oh, good yeah. for good for Chris Kreider. Love that guy too. Um, so yeah, Tony D'Angelo. Hopefully, pack your shit. Pack your shit and go to Russia. You're out of here, buddy. Yeah. He's going to go play for Bill Peters. Uh, (laughs) But um, anyways, let's let's get get to our – Let's get into the mailbag. We have our first mailbag. Yeah. So I posted on Instagram uh, just a question. What do you guys want to hear on the pod today? And we got a lot of responses. I have 13 questions that we're going to go through super quick, some quicker than others. But, uh, Nolan, let's start it off from our, our good buddy, Flames fan, Kyle. He said, talk about how all of Canada needs to unite against the Leafs. And I agree 100%. I hate the Leafs. This is a fun discussion about the North Division here. Um, let's kind of revisit from our picks from the beginning of the season. We said that the four playoff teams from the North Division were going to be Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. 
And it's looking like Montreal is kind of sneaking into that. So I'm kind of looking at this and I'm looking at the question after that as well. What I want to touch upon is that I I must remind everybody because I'm trying to remind myself of this as well when it comes to me freaking out about the Oilers is we're 10 games in. So I'm not too concerned with some of my previous picks that I've made in the first episode. So when it comes to how teams look, yes, Montreal has looked great. I, I'm 100% on board with that. They, they they do look like they are probably the second best team in the North Division. Um, the Leafs look dominant. Um, they look like they look like a really good regular season team. We'll see how they turn out in the playoffs, but. Ultimately, it looks like things are kind of going to plan. Um, the Canucks, yes, have looked pretty stinky, but uh, they could also come back. So I'm not. I'm trying not to put too much stock into this first bit. Now we are like 20% way into the season, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm not putting too much too much importance into what's going on right now. I'm kind of just waiting to see what happens uh, in April when those when those playoff matchups are sort of kind of put into a little bit of clarity, but no, but I, uh, I do, I do think it's time. Every loss Toronto gets from a team that shouldn't beat them is beautiful. And I think that that's, I love what, it. I think that's what flame fans, flame fan Kyle was getting at there. The auto, the Ottawa loss for them is just love. You love to see it. And especially from, especially from the German brethren, Timmy Stutzler. <laughs> you mean Strudel. Yes, Strudel, uh, which I, I, I'm I'm actually looking forward to watching him tonight. By the way, because uh, I haven't, I don't actually don't think I've watched a Sens game when he was or when he's been playing. So I am excited to see that. So, but uh, do do you have any last uh, any last thoughts with the first question? Nope. I want to move on to the second one. He's okay, big, let's big do supporter it. of the pod. So I'm going to give him some props. We love you, Flames fan Kyle. I'm going to give him some props on this one too. He asks uh, theories on who is responsible for Connor's programming. Because he is a robot, an absolute alien. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, I'm trying to think of some like some scientists from movies that uh, that were that were probably working that were probably working on Connor. Uh, have you seen the movie I Robot? Yeah, when I was like eight. Yeah, and and how like how all those robots just are are supposed to be really nice are supposed to be like really nice robots, and then they all become mean and they start killing everybody. I think th- I think that's Connor McDavid. <laughs> but when when does he get mean? Uh, when he loses a game in a very frustrating fashion, and then he comes out in the next game and he becomes mean. Okay, I got that it. second Vancouver yeah. game. Yeah, okay. he was very mean that game, and he was very mean last night too. He he, he was very mean last night. An, an angry boy. <laughs> a very angry one. No, uh, I, all right. I'm gonna throw out the third question, then I'm gonna let you defend yourself. I'm gonna let feed you to the wolves here. I touched upon it but i'm willing i'm still no, willing to back this you gotta up. you gotta go directly to it uh revisiting your take on markstrom at the start of the year saying he was going to be mediocre he's got two shutties in six games um he looked unbelievable last night he looked really good in some of the other games that he's played this year um as good as koskinen what do you say yeah he's he's been better than koskinen i i i, I didn't think that like okay i must reiterate it's been 10 games so i like I I, wa- I watched the first year of Ilya Brzgalov and he looked bad and then he looked dominant and then he looked bad. So this is a 
this is how this is how goaltending you're works. Fucked in the if head if you're Markstrom... going to compare Ilya Brzezgalov to Jacob Markstrom. <laughs> Dude, he was he was a Vesna candidate. Like I, I'm not I'm not taking crazy pills here. Like I like. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there is something to be said about giving high dollar, high dollar free agent goaltenders a lot of money. Like, fair, okay, okay. If, if Mark, if Markstrom proves me wrong, Markstrom proves me wrong. I will, I will, I will, I will eat the crow on that one. I will eat something really awful on camera if I have to. Okay, but, uh, but yes, something from Arby's. Are you, don't you dare oh, you, dis- yeah, disrespect you like Arby's. Arby's. Yeah, never mind, never mind. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I, I've. He's he's been really good. Um, the Flames have not, but he's been really good. So I will I will give him credit where credits due. Good, fair. I think that answers it. Um, you got a question here from T Nine, the Science Guy. Brent Burns, for all of you that aren't aware, made a cameo appearance on the show Vikings, and he asks, should NHL players market themselves more? I think this is a really good question, a really fair question, because the NHL, and this is kind of one of the things I don't like about the NHL, the players don't really have a personality when you compare them to some of the other big four leagues. And like, I think that anything, okay, I'm going to bitch for a second here. The NHL shoves PK Subban down our throats with videos of him training and like being a spokesperson. And that's great. And that's fine. And I like that, you know, there's diversity being shown and that PK as a black athlete is able to you know um like show personality a little bit more and and especially in the nhl which is a very whitewashed league yeah but there's a lot of other guys like darnell nurse homer is a is another black athlete with his sister plays uh for a canadian uh, national women's basketball team she plays in the wnbl she's a stud in the wnba and wnbl champion kia. yeah kia show kia and like dumba uh, wayne simmons in toronto maybe not the same caliber as some of these guys but they we don't need to get PK Subban shoved down our throat over and over and over again when there's a lot of other players that should be and could be getting screen time for the oil or for uh, for the NHL to show that off. Um, but for like just a quick idea, who's the who's the big player on the Celtics? Who's their stud? Oh, like uh, uh, Jalen Brown or Jalen Brown, uh, Jason that. Tatum, because Jalen Brown is the one that's like. Um, uh like uh he went to cal but he's he's super into like he's he's a super smart guy and very like politically and socially active and like just a really smart guy i i he's one of my favorite players in the league for sure but the point that i'm trying to make and back to what tris was asking or tni the science guy was asking there um brent burns getting out and being on vikings with his big beard and his weird hair and his ugly teeth great for him love it but the NHL has a bigger issue of like marketability on their players. Like Connor McDavid is the best NHL player there is full stop. I think that's, if not the best, he's one a, if anybody wants to make a Nathan McKinnon argument, we can do that. But just for the sake of the argument, let's say he's the best or second best player in the NHL. He doesn't even have a million followers on Instagram. Jalen, Jason Tatum has three and a half. Gordon Hayward has one and a half. Lonzo ball has 9 million. Like you're talking about guys that like Lonzo's a little bit different because of his dad and whatnot, but you're talking about guys that are like mid tier players. Yeah. Maybe not mid tier, but like upper echelon mid tier players versus the best player in the NHL at Connor McDavid, not even having a million followers. So to answer your TNI, the science guys question, I think anything NHL player can do to market themselves better and get more exposure is just good for them to get the bag. 
So yeah, I love it, and I think they should be doing it more. Yeah, Austin, I, Austin Matthews does, has seven hundred thousand followers, and he's a drip god. That doesn't even that doesn't make sense. I almost think they um, they need to have better media train like like better media training like before they're drafted. Like mm-hmm. I I think there's there's a I, I think that's kind of where it all starts is like you want you want these guys to to really let out their personality and you really want to find out interesting things about them. Like I'm sorry, I just I just like I hate I hate when I see like like a, a, a bar down or whatever share be like oh uh, the Kachuk brothers dressed up as Dale and Brennan from Step Brothers <laughs> it's like oh yeah he saw a Will Ferrell movie wow I'm really fucking impressed every draft profile ever for a prospect what's your favorite movie it's Step Brothers or the other guys or Anchorman like, yeah exactly yeah. like come yeah. on show it's, a little more yeah they're so boring but um yeah I I, I completely agree um What's our next couple questions here? Um, from Samchi30, GameStop. <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Sarah. I fucked up your name in the poll. But she, she said GameStop. Um, my response uh, to that is stonks. Yeah, I, 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 I could. We could get into a whole discussion about GameStop, but for the sake of time, we'll we'll maybe save that for a future episode. Maybe once the full story is kind of is when kind we of get completed, we'll bring this up again when we get Oilers fan, longtime listener, longtime supporter uh, Jackson Mahomes, as he's known in the poll, uh, who is a <laughs> big finance guy. R slash not R slash stonks. He's actually he's actually legit. Um, he's my he's my money guy. So. We'll get him on here. He can talk stonks. He can talk Oilers. He'll be a great addition, and we'll, we'll table this one. But next up, another question from Samchi30. Um, wants, wants <laughs> She's going to gonna kill us. Am I saying it wrong? It's Sarah. Her name is Sarah. But that's her handle. Because her name is Sarah Mackay. Yeah, but that's her handle. I'm calling her. I'm trying to. Okay, keep fine. Some, you can uh, call her. Okay, fine. You can call her Sam Chi. I don't, don't want to throw everybody's name out here and get another cease and desist. We don't need a Yamamoto 2.0. Um, <laughs> but she she asked, talk about women's hockey, and I think that that's a really good point and something that should be talked about. Um, so National Women's Hockey League fired up this year. They got the Buffalo Buttes, Boston Pride, Connecticut Whale, Metro Riveters with a beauty uh, Rosie the Riveter logo. It looks sweet on a jersey. Minnesota Whitecaps, Toronto Six awful name from the toronto six like, yeah i hate that name fucking why i also hate the buffalo buttes sorry i just i think that's just so lame but there it's lame but the logo plays off really well for the city with the, like the buffalo with the wings yeah and stuff. yeah t- yeah totally but I give just, them that. yeah buttes is just a i just i just yeah i don't like it that aside they've got a new ownership model and because there's been lots of professional women's leagues that have like fired up and fizzled out and i think that this ownership model that they have like is made for expansion and like actual ownership revenue and tv dollars and stuff like that so hopefully they can keep top talent there and not lose them to the canadian women nationals league that i think is going to be resurging when covid's over or at least that's the plan but i hope that the leagues can amalgamate and they can you know make the best product possible to grow the women's hockey game yeah because it is it is absolutely important so so important um i was talking it's actually really timely i was talking to flames fan kyle about it yesterday uh he was listening to a podcast where the lpga commissioner was talking and the point was brought up you know why don't you put your tournaments on or tournament final on saturday and then that way you don't have to compete with the pga and he was like no that's not what you should do you put it on sunday because our product needs to compete directly with the PGA. If yeah. you're going to if you're going to sit down to watch golf for a day, it's going to be on Sunday. And you know, we might not get the viewership that they get, but being on at the same time, at least when there's a commercial break, they can flip over to our stuff 
they can see the product we have. They can see, cause it's, you know, he's saying it's better. He's saying that they're the way that they show it on TV is better, which I personally haven't watched it. I'm not a big golf guy, but yeah, I really like what he's saying where, no, we go toe to toe because we're a professional league. We've got a good product. We're proud of our product and we're going to show it on the day that people are watching golf. We're not going to be a college football to the NFL. We're a competing professional league with the PGA. So the NHL um, showed the WNHL um, stats and some highlights. They've been doing that um, for a while now. I've been noticing it a lot. And just as a hockey fan, I like to see it. And I think that that's a really good thing for the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also like, I also like the next level thinking of broadcasting the games on Twitch. Like they are, yeah. I think that's a really good idea. Cause that like, that's kind of how you, that's, that's how you get people more, more involved in watching. So I do like seeing that. Um, I would say we have time for one more. One more. And then we can, yes. And then we have to close her up here because we're getting pretty close to puck drop. And uh, I got to try and edit this thing. For sure. The last one that I'm going to give then is from Babyback Billick. He said, Stuart Skinner gets to start tonight. Talk about it a little bit. Um, I'm excited to see Stuart Skinner play. He's a good Western boy played his WHL hockey with the Lethbridge Hurricanes and then moved over to the Swift Current Broncos the year that Swift was nasty and went to, I think they went to the final that year. Um, But looking at his numbers in his last season, he played 41 games in the AHL. Season before that, he played 41 in the ECHL, uh, all with the Oilers organization. He went in the ECHL uh, 15, 14, and 7 with a 3.16 goals against average and a 9.03 save percentage, which is not bad. Um, not the best win-loss comparison there, but numbers are okay. I don't think that was a very good team, if I'm remembering correctly, as well. Uh, and then last year in the AHL, he went 16, 17, and 6, again in 41 games, with a 3-3-1 goals against average and a 8-9-2 save percentage, which is tough. But was Bakersfield was dog shit last year? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't put, it, I don't know, I, I don't put too much stock into like minor league goaltending stats. I think, I, it's my, it's my my whole thought about should I, that sounded really poorly worded, but like, um, it's my whole belief on like goaltending is it's a voodoo. Like, I feel like you could be a dog shit AHL goaltender and you can come in and like have like 10 shutouts. Like it's, it's one of those things where once you get like it, though, like those elite goaltenders are so few and far between like those ones where you can say like, Oh yeah, I'll give this guy like an eight year contract worth like $10 million because I know exactly what he is and I know exactly what he's going to provide. So you never know, uh, with Stuart Skinner, I hope he's great. I really want him to be great. I've had a lot of, um, his hit like his performance in i believe it was was it the whl cup or something like that and he was just he was awesome like he went he went toe-to-toe with carter hart like he was he was wicked so i'm very excited to finally see him in between the pipes tonight edmonton boy great flow grows a beautiful mustache i'm pretty hot too yeah pretty hot guy i'm excited i'm excited to see what he can do hopefully it's a it's a good debut for him here um upcoming games we've got ottawa tonight uh, we've got Ottawa on the second, and then we have our first installment of the Battle of Alberta, February sixth. I'm here in Calgary after three days off. Yeah, I'm here in Calgary. Thank God. Calgary's going to be uh, debuting their Blasty Reverse Retro that game, which is going to be really good for the fans. Uh, it's a nice jersey, plain and simple. It's it's nice to see. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. I'm 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 excited to watch Zach Cassie and commit manslaughter on on stage on the ice. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it's stage. It's a it's gonna be it's, a gladiator dome. Well, 
I'm excited. I know you're excited. I know the uh, our new listeners are excited. But uh, once again, just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has all been engaged with us uh, on the social media as well as listening and downloading. Um, please continue to spread the word and continue um, – just kind of letting everybody know about the podcast. It's it's been really it's it's been really awesome to see a lot of the support so far, and we're really excited to keep this thing going. I think we're I think we're getting better and better each episode. So, um, uh, yeah, thank you very much, everybody, and uh, I will see you all next week. Yeah. So thanks again to everybody for tuning in to episode four of the One for One podcast. Look forward to giving you more hockey and Oilers insight week in and week out. And with that in mind. Time to watch the game. Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.